right, let's do this. Welcome back, everyone. We are rolling into another episode of Return, and today is Theology Thursday, our second episode um, of doing Theology Thursdays. I hope you guys enjoyed last week. I had a lot of fun um, doing it, and I want to continue in um, the same theme that we looked at last week, which is the very beginning of Song of Solomon uh, 1 verses 2, which last week we looked at, let him kiss me with the kisses of his word. And today we're going to talk about his love that is better than wine. So jump in with me. to keep looking at Song of Solomon 1 verse 2 today and um, I love Song of Solomon for so many reasons but one of them is that this book and these verses in particular are just such easy doors or gateways to experiencing the love of God and to feeling his heart and his emotions, uh, and his affections for us. And um, I've spent lots of times doing different sets with worship teams where we're, we're going through, we call it worship with the word. So we do a little bit of worship and music, and then we sing through passages of scripture. And the times that we have sung through Song of Solomon, and specifically these verses, just the doors that open up to us, so to speak, um, in the Lord, as far as just receiving his heart, receiving revelation, um, cross-referencing things in scripture of even just demonstrations of his love or whatever it is, different themes that we have gone on in meditating on these verses. They have just done so much to, uh, affect my heart and my life. And so, I want to encourage you to do that yourself, Um, but yeah, we are going to just keep looking at this verse, so I'll read it again really quick. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. And uh, like I mentioned, we looked last week at the uh, kisses of of his mouth, or or the way that we like to say it is the kisses of his word, because really that's what it is. It's his word, the word of God, which is living and active. It's more than just typed letters on a page or in the Bible. His word is alive. It's a introduction and, and a script, so to speak, but even that's not the right way to say it, but it's a, it's an introduction to continual dialogue with God. And, uh, it's an active conversation. It's an ongoing conversation. We can jump into the scripture at any point and open up a conversation with God about it, which is what I love to do with Song of Solomon and what I was just mentioning. Even just singing through these passages is opening up the conversation with God to say, I want your kisses on my heart and I want to know the love that you have towards me. And so... Like we looked at last week, uh, the shulamite in this passage, or the bride, 
She's asking the father to have Jesus come and kiss her heart with the kisses of his word. And in the second part of this verse, she gives us the reason. It's because his love is, is better than wine. And let me just explain that poetry for a second. As we know, wine is, um, I mean, wine can be representative of many things, but just generally wine is the drink that is used for celebration. Wine is, is the drink that can be used you know, for pleasure or to numb ourselves uh, from feeling pain or from feeling emotion. Wine can be used in different ways. But the way that she is using this um, analogy here, your love is better than wine, is your love is better than the best pleasure that I can find on the earth. If wine is the drink of celebration, if wine is even, you know, you, you all have friends who probably, you know, go out for a drink or whatever. It's like, if that's the best pleasure that we can come up with and imagine or whatever, his love is far superior than even the, the best of pleasures, even the legitimate pleasures. And that's something that I want to talk about for a little bit because why... Why do we want God's word, God's kisses on our heart so badly? Because we want to actually have the experience in our lives, the testimony in our lives where we've said that we've encountered something so much better than, than anything that we experience in our day-to-day living. Uh, we feel the love of God through the kisses of his word on our heart and it excites our spirits when we get touched by God. And what it does is it it almost like puts things in perspective to where when we get touched by the love of God on our hearts and we actually have an encounter in his presence and we hear his voice and we feel maybe the warmth of the Holy Spirit on us, when we have that experience of him, we remember what it is we were made for, who we were made for. And then we literally like the, all of the pleasures of the world start dimming in comparison to how great and, and, and just how, I mean, how do you describe it? How fulfilling the love and presence of God is in our lives and on our hearts. And so She's explaining that your love is better than wine because when we touch the pleasures of God, when we touch the love of God, nothing, literally nothing else can compare to it. And I love that there's this uh, almost twofold meaning in, in his love being better than wine because again, his love is better than sinful pleasures or, or counterfeit pleasures, which is something that we might look at, at in a second. His love is better, you know, than the things that we easily get tempted into, you know, things that we think will make us happy or excite our, our hearts or whatever. And they do for the moment that we're in it, but we realize afterwards, you know, sometimes it can be moments after, sometimes it can be 
you know, longer uh, after we've gone for sinful counterfeit pleasures, we realize the emptiness and, and the achiness and just, yeah, the longing for something to fulfill us is still there after that. And there's so many more consequences for sin that I'm not going to get into uh, right now, but not only is his love better than wine, meaning his love is better than all of, you know, the earthly pleasures or whatever. This is something I want us to just talk about and think about for a minute is that his love is better also than all of the good legitimate pleasures meaning the the best of the best that we can enjoy in um in in even some of it's the blessings that god has given us the best that we can experience of love and um companionship with our spouse the best that we can experience of just fun and entertainment and um relationships the best that we can experience as far as seeing beautiful things you know going to a mountain and overlooking the ocean like to me that's like one of the most epic places of scenery that you can be and yet when we see those things it it excites our hearts because in it we get we get like a fraction a very very small drop of what it is that God has created us for, which is love and pleasure and delight and and for our hearts to be excited in him. But the thing is, is his love being better than wine means that his love is better than even the legitimate pleasures that we have and that he's blessed us with in the earth. When our hearts are touched by God and, and, and in intimacy with God, it means he he's so much better than our circumstances, which means that our circumstances can be amazing and we still want to feel God on our hearts. Our circumstances can suck and we really want to feel God in our hearts. But that's the thing is, is when, when we actually have an encounter with him, Things can all be going right. Things can be amazing. And yet there's always going to be that longing inside of us that will only be met and and touched and fulfilled. And then when it is left us, you know, wanting more, it can only be touched by him. And so his love is better than even the legitimate things. And um, I'll just say that like for me, growing up and and growing in my walk with God and in my journey with God, there's been different times in my life where he's asked me to give up different legitimate pleasures uh, for different seasons of my life to specifically draw me away so that I could encounter him, so I could encounter his love, so that I could actually have the experience and the testimony in my life that yeah, I've I've touched this. I've experienced God that's better than movies, better than food, better than whatever. And I'll, I will give an example. When I was um, 15 years old, I came to a summer camp here at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. And God touched my heart in such a profound way at that camp. And I just heard clearly, I just knew in my spirit he wanted me to give something up for a year. And I just knew that 
he was asking me to give up movies for a year. So I left that summer camp. I went on a year-long movie fast and I can't even just begin to tell you all of the things that literally took place that year that changed the course and the direction of my life. And a major part of it had to do with movies. There were some other things that I was also doing in my life that really just hedged me in. But I experienced longing and hunger for God as a 15-year-old unlike I have at almost any other time in my life. That year was a defining year in my life. And a massive um, a massive reason for that was I put aside good things, legitimate things, things that all of my other friends, you know, would go do on a Friday night. Or, you know, it was like a way to relax, be with the family, things like that. So even the good things about it, Putting that aside intentionally to make space or create margin in my life to actually feel him more and pursue him more. And the crazy thing was, is that was back when like Facebook was literally just getting started. So social media like was just beginning. And I think about how much more traffic of things, again, not bad things, um, Sometimes it can be bad. Definitely it can be, you know, coming in too large of doses or the things that we're seeing or doing can be crazy. But I will say that um, there are legitimate things that we can put aside in order to experience him and and to position ourselves to to feel him more. And anyways, that was such a massive a defining moment in my life when I did that. And so something that I love and and as a reminder to us is his love being better than wine is ultimately him reminding us that he at the end of the day is our inheritance. I love that in Genesis 15 when God meets with Abram and he, you know, basically promises Abram, "Hey, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to bring, you know, the, the promise of redemption through you and through your lineage. But the first thing that he says to Abram, Abraham in that moment is Abraham, I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. So before I promise you anything, before I make you the father of many nations, the father of all the the blessed in the earth, the father of our faith, before I make you any of that, I want you to know something. Your reward is me. Your inheritance, Abraham, is me. You get me at the end of all of this. And that, I mean, I from the very beginning, that's what Abraham signed up for. David says the same thing in Psalm 16. He says, You, God, are the portion of my inheritance in my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Meaning the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. The boundary lines of what has been given to me in my life. The things that I have gotten to experience and enjoy in God I have the best deal made. Like this is the best 
situation. I have a good inheritance. And our reward at the end of the day is God. Our reward isn't revival. Our reward isn't even walking in power or receiving breakthrough. Our reward and and the only thing that is going to fulfill our hearts and the only thing that God is going to ask us really, maybe not the only thing, I don't know for sure, but I would say one of the key things that God is going to ask us when we stand before him is, did you learn to love me? Did you actually open up your heart and experience my love and love me in return? And, and that's the thing is, it's so easy for believers. I mean, I've been there and I've done this. It is so easy for us to get caught up in our to-do list or in wanting our ministries to grow or even in wanting sincere and great things like wanting to walk in power so that we can bring deliverance to people or wanting to, I don't know, yeah, be able to pray for someone and see them get healed. I want all of those things. But the thing is, if I want those things and in my mind, I think, oh, once I have that, I'm I'm going to make it. You know, once I have that, my walk with God is going to be good. That's a lie. At the end of the day, the only thing that is going to satisfy us is to see Jesus face to face, to encounter him, to have real living relationship with him. And a prime example of this is in Matthew 7, where Jesus says a lot of people are going to be able to do the works or do the stuff in his name. They're going to prophesy and and heal people. And he's going to look at them and say, I don't even know you. Like, depart from me. I, I never knew you. I don't have any intimate relationship with you. And so we don't want to deceive ourselves into thinking that, walking in some sort of power or walking with a big ministry is is somehow our reward. No, our reward is God himself and his love is better than wine. His love is better than legitimate good things that even the good things that he gives to us. And it's not that we have to choose between his love and the good things, but we want to have them in proper order. We want to have his love and, and, and us loving him in first place. He tells uh, this to the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2. I have this thing against you that you've left your first love. You do all the works. You're, you're patient. You persevere. You're faithful. You hate things that I hate. But I have this against you. You've left your first love. And we don't want to reorder things. We want the first thing to be first. We want the experience of his kisses on our heart. And we want the testimony in our own lives of how his love is better than wine. And so I just want to put it before you. If you haven't experienced that love that is better than wine, my challenge to you this week is Put aside things, you know, something, whether it's, it can be food, a meal, put aside um, uh, your phone, Instagram, or something that, you know, you just do on a daily 
basis and create space in your heart to, to just go meet with God, to talk with God. And the thing is, is I think you can't always expect for things to happen the first time that you go meet with him because I've heard this saying from Mike Bickle, which I love a lot. And it, he says, sometimes you have too much of sin to enjoy God and too much of God to enjoy sin, which at the end of the day just kills us because either way, we don't end up happy. Either way, we don't end up feeling fulfilled. We were made to live wholehearted. We were made to live all in. And when we're not, we feel spiritually bored. We feel dull. And therefore, we're always trying to fill ourselves and fill the void with other things. And even then, we never feel fulfilled. And so obviously, this is something that comes with time, that comes with the repeated, uh, sometimes it's discipline. I, again, this is from Mike. Sometimes we go from duty to discipline, to delight, meaning we know we should, therefore we make it a discipline. We make the space, the time, a, a discipline and a habit in our life, but it takes us from a duty to a discipline, to becoming our delight, to becoming the joy in our hearts, to actually go meet with God and and talk with him and feel the kisses of his his word on our hearts and to experience his love that's better than wine. So I encourage you create the space, create the margin, ask him for his love to come and touch your heart and and for you to experience the superior pleasures of loving God. I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys in future episodes and I-